Hello and welcome to the third season of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. A lot of changes, hopefully all for the positive. One thing that's the same is, is my voice. I hope you all don't mind. I'm Chris Pike, sometimes known as the, as the never was. But the man <laughs> beside me is the has-been, but he's quite a has-been. You, you'll recognise the name. All I have to do is say that he's a six-time NBL champion, six-time best defensive player. His name's on the best defensive player player award. Damien Martin joins us. We've got plenty of exciting news as we head towards NBL 22. Let's get right into it. Damien Martin, thanks for joining me. No, my pleasure. Looking forward to a big season. I've enjoyed the preseason action so far. Uh, and those of you who think I've kicked Sean Redditch out of the hot seat, he's still a part of the show. He's a busy man, old Shawnee, running his own clinics and whatnot. So I'll, I'll take on this part of the, the segment, this part of the show. But uh, no, Shawnee will still be a big part of it going forward regardless. Let's get right right to that demo. Let me knuckle down on that a little bit. If we go back go back probably nine years, you took the captaincy off, Sean. Oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> you, ended, you ended your career winning more championships than Sean. Um, you've replaced him pretty much full-time as the man doing the commentary out of, out of, out of RAC. Now, now. Out of RAC he's, Arena. He's still roaming the, the sidelines. And now you're – I started this show up with Sean three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big project we undertook. Um, we were very proud of it, and now you've taken his, his seat here on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle as well. Look, I like to think he warms up the seat, and then I come and jump in. No, Sean's been uh, fantastic. Actually, even before the first game, I did do some courtside commentary for. I called him and asked for advice, and he was fantastic. So you'll see him courtside for the Wildcats' first game Friday week on the third of December, and then I'll be there on the Sunday. So it's still nice to go alternate games with Shawnee, uh, and I still get his feedback after most games and see where I can improve. The big change we've had to make on the show is that we can no longer be called the scoring machine. Yeah. There was, there was a time last year you wanted to claim that title, but it's just not going to work, is it? No, it would make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Talk about being confusing, saying and listen to the scoring machine and then hearing my voice. <laughs> I'll try and give as little offensive feedback about other opposition, about the teams as possible. Uh, so, yeah, we've had to change the name of the show. We have. We have. That's why... That's why I guess we've gone for the never was. I'm that, that that's that's well and truly my <laughs> my claim to fame. I've been an NBA writer for 15 years now. I've known you for a long time, but it's not much of a claim to fame compared to what you achieved in in your career, Damo. As I said off the top, six times NBA champion, six times best defensive player. You're an Olympian. Um, being serious for a second, now that you've had time to reflect on your career properly, you've been retired for 18 months. Mm. Are you pretty proud of what you did achieve? Yeah, and it's more so who I did alongside. It's funny, when you retire, or even during the latter stages of my career, I realise it's not what you do, it's who you do it with. And that goes back to the days of mum and dad, hours and hours on end in the car, the the sacrifices my siblings made because while dad was driving me an hour and a half each way, Tuesdays and Thursdays to Newcastle and then up to three and a half hours to Sydney on a weekend, it essentially meant he was working from 6am to 5pm, jumping in the car, doing those hours during the weekday, but also meant my four siblings didn't get to see their dad. You know, I barely got to see my siblings and, and mum was a, a single mother of four for two, three, four days a week. And so that's when you realise as you get older, one, I didn't say thank you enough, you just take <laughs> it for granted that that's what parents are supposed to do. And then two, the sacrifices mum, dad, my siblings made. So the best moment I ever had in all of my sporting career was when I got to call my dad and mum, put him on FaceTime and say I'd made the Olympic team and, and their reaction is one that will stick with me forever. And, and that's why you do these things and that's why I'm forever an advocate of team sport mm. because, yeah, the mateships you develop, the championships you're trying to win, uh, it means nothing if you're not surrounded with good people mm. and those you love from a young age. Every time you mention the Olympics, I'm reminded of what I did to you ahead of the London Olympics. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll share that story story in full one at some point this year. But uh, being serious for a second more, um, you talk about your family over in, in, in Gloucester, where most of them still are. Mm. How tough has it been the last 24 months where I think you've only been able to see them once? In that, in Seen that them once. Uh, so mum and dad there from Sydney originally moved up to Gloucester. And they said they'd be there for five years and then go back to Sydney, open up a law firm, dad's a lawyer, and, you know, go from there. And in, there's not much to do in Gloucester. It's a small country town, dairy farming community, and they end up having five kids in the next six years. And 40-odd years later, they still call it home. While all the children have, have packed up and, and moved to, you know, two in Sydney, one on the central coast of New South Wales, eldest brother up in Brisbane. I'm the one out west. You know, we've all got children of our own, bar my youngest brother. It, it means that mum and dad haven't seen grandkids yeah which has just absolutely destroyed them. Uh, up until recently, they all went up on the weekend now that borders have opened yep. up to regional areas. But Gloucester in itself, 
It's gone through its worst drought in history. You know, literally had to bring in water from out of town into its worst floods. Yeah. So it's seen the extreme. So it's, it's battled every single person there. A lot of people went broke at one stage, couldn't help themselves financially with uh, the weather, a lot of the farmers in particular, into the biggest floods. Uh, and the cattle started to come back and record prices with the cattle. But underlying all of that, and more importantly, was just haven't been able to visit family. Yeah. Uh, so we've taken it for granted out west what COVID has been and what it is, in particular in New South Wales, Sydney, Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's been a very tough couple of years. I can't wait to be able to get home, see mum and dad, my siblings, and more importantly, have my children be a part of my grandparents, uncles and aunts and cousins because it's, uh, yeah, it hurts the soul and mm. I've only seen it from a, a small a small yeah. part compared to mum and dad. Now, I've got some big plans this year for Hoop 7's basketball hustle, and I'll get to those shortly. But before we do, Damo, um, Wildcats fans would be holding their breath thinking that now that you've retired, your injury days and your accident, <laughs> your accident days are over. But as we talk right now, you've got a few fractures in your face, which is going to horrify some of, our, yeah. some of, some of those Red, Red Army fans. So I did. I thought I'll never have to visit a surgeon again. You know, I barely even walk upstairs these days. So a few weeks ago, I was woken at 4.30 a.m. to my five-year-old needing to go to the bathroom. My wife asked if I could take her, so I did. And I woke up, felt fine, but by the time she was doing a wee, I started to get a little bit lightheaded. And then I need to go to the bathroom, so I told Maggie to go back to bed. And as I was <laughs> weighing, sorry to everyone visualising this now, <laughs> I thought, oh, I don't feel good at all. And I must have stumbled a few steps because I didn't fall on the bathroom tiles, thank goodness. Stumbled a few steps, fainted, did the perfect plank, did not protect my face whatsoever, uh, and then fainted on the ground and then the head knock to the, the flooring in my bedroom knocked me out cold. So woke up and uh, went and saw the doctor a few days later. I was a bit stubborn, didn't want to go to the doctors the next couple of days saying everything will be okay. On Monday I woke up and said, all right, with the, without puffing my cheeks, I can barely talk. It hurts to eat. And yeah, it turns out I had two, or I do have two fr fractures in my cheekbones, just above my lip and uh, in my jaw. So when I went and saw the same facial surgeon <laughs> that uh, <laughs> dealt with my broken jaws, courtesy of Brian Conklin, he said, mate, I never thought I'd see you again, but I think deep down he was delighted because I paid for a few of his <laughs> Christmas presents over the, over the years. And as I sit here today, still got four facial fractures. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought sport was dangerous. Turns out I'm a 37-year-old <laughs> in a 70-year-old man's body because as the doctors explained it, your low blood pressure happens naturally, uh, but normally it doesn't happen until you're about 70 mm. where you start fainting if you stand up to wee. So I have to sit down to pee now, mate. Yeah. I, uh, I retired and I'm that guy now. And if anyone knows why you're not playing basketball at any level, that probably explains it. <laughs> it's sad but true. I play against my work colleague occasionally. I think the highest level of basketball he played was... Uh, high school basketball in Canada yep. and about D3 here, here in <laughs> Williton. Uh, so it's nice for the ego to get a couple of wins one-on-one mm. -on -one playing him a couple of days a week. Yeah, it's amazing. And speaking of Brian Conklin, um, is he a potential guest on the show at any point? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to call up Conklin and, and see what he's been up to, see what injuries he's inflicted. So, no, we might reach out to him. It's a, it's a shame that there's no longer the Townsville Crocs, but we'll get, mm. him thought, get his thoughts on what he's doing post-MBL and... You know, what he remembers from his days out here. Yeah, it was an interesting time. I was doing some work for the Crocs at the time when, when they sacked him as, as captain as, and as their import. And I remember getting the call from one of the staff members of the club saying, we've got to put this, this media release together. We've, ju we've just told Brian that he's, he's been sacked. And SD was the coach at the time, yeah. Sean Dennis. And I called him up and he, and he said, because I had to get some quotes for him. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, we're doing the announcement from the club. And, and SD said, look, I really don't want to give you any quotes because I... I, did, I had nothing to do with this decision. The board called me up and said they've sacked him. And, You're and, I, and I, I didn't want him gone. I wanted to keep him. You'd be furious and, as a coach if it, that was happening uh, behind the scenes without and, your input. And, and it was just unbelievable. So we've got some stories to, to cover with, with Brian if we if we do give him a call at some stage. But Or even Sean Dennis. He's over in Japan he doing is, some he's, great he's fantastic. things. We spoke to him on the first season of this show and it was a fantastic chat from him with him from over in Japan. But... Yeah, I mean, ironically, that was the start of Mitch Norton's captaincy in the NBL too, so it's amazing. Yeah, one of the youngest captains uh, I think we've seen. Well, going back to SD, he's over there. Look at the Japanese contingent of mm. Aussies right now. Uh, in the Japanese league, sorry, you've got Nick Kay just yep. killing it over there at the moment. Reese Vague's putting up big mm. numbers. And Angus Brandt is an MVP candidate at the moment. Yeah. So it's great to see some former Wildcats and NBL players. Well, Coaching-wise, Andre Lamanis is over there oh, of course, coaching. Yeah. Um, Paulie Hanari's over there coaching. And when... When a couple of clubs reached out to Paulie last year to see if he was interested in filling 
the coaching vacancies, which we had in, in Brisbane, we had in Cairns, we had in Adelaide. We ended up having it in Adelaide. Um, Paulie just said a flat out no, I'm way too happy in Japan and this is where <laughs> I want to stay. And SD's changed clubs this season mm-hmm. over in Japan, but he's more than happy to stay in Japan and he wasn't interested in taking offers from back home either. So he must be doing something right the, over the there. The man that helped him get the job, and I know we're getting a little sidetracked here, and I can't think of his name, Mike, I want to say, but the old Newcastle Falcons mm. coach was coaching in Japan. Yep. Great guy. I can remember him pacing up and down the sidelines yeah. uh, as a Falcons fan myself. And, yeah, got him SD an assistant coaching job yeah. over there, what, six, seven, eight years yeah. ago now. And, yeah, great things for SD. Good man. And, yeah, it's wonderful to see him doing so well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's get, get on track a little bit, Damo. We've got some big plans. Obviously, we'll be the co-host of this show, but we decided we wanted to have some regular guests. So sometimes when you talk to current players there, or even coaches, they're very guarded on what they say. But we've decided to go down the other path and we're going to rotate one of these men between each show starting next week. And I don't know if we could get four four better names. We've got Sean Reddidge, Alex Loughton, Rob Beveridge, Adam Gibson. We've all got, both of us have got a history with all four of them. We've talked about Sean already, but he, he will, being all ser- in all seriousness, he will be involved in this show still. He's going to not only join us once a month, but he's still going to be giving his player of the year award voting because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to let that go and he's still going to compete on the tab touch preview trying to raise some money for charity with with maddie knight because he loves to compete <laughs> he puts some research into he, it as he well does. he you, does you, take that seriously you know he'll take himself seriously and it'll be great to still catch up with the old the old scoring machine um alex loudon's another one who i don't know if you ever got to play with yeah we, we played on an australian team together yep. i love alex he was a great player hell of a bloke plenty of laughs mm. so it's uh i was over the moon when he said he'd join us on the yeah, show me too because the last two years i've done done the ken's taipans podcast that we started up with him the, he he lovingly dubbed it the pikey and Lau show which i <laughs> i was never that comfortable with i didn't really want my name part of it but but that was a lot of fun so i've got to know alex a lot probably over the last seven or eight years once he's been up in cairns and Rob Beveridge is a man that I'm delighted to have him involved in some form talking NBL basketball. I don't know how much basketball we'll, we'll end up talking once we get him on the line because <laughs> who knows where the conversation will go. But he's moving back to Perth soon. He's still coaching over in New Zealand mm. and he's still living out of out of Wollongong, which is an interesting mix. But um, That, that I, man I, spent more time in quarantine <laughs> than anyone yeah, else I know. It's, I think uh, he said 52 days last time I spoke to him. Hotel quarantine, yeah. that is, just all these trips. So you're exactly right. It'd be good to have Bevo on the show. He was uh, like a second dad, a mentor, a mate. So not only am I over the moon that he's moving back west eventually, <laughs> eventually. whenever he gets out here at some stage, but it'd be good to have him joining on the show because he will speak openly and honestly and share his thoughts mm-hmm. about players, coaches, teams, where the league's at. So he will have a lot to say. And Adam Gibson's the last one. Um, You've got a, a long rivalry with him, but a pretty good friendship, I think, as, as when we caught up with him, him last year here on the show that I think everyone would have, would have noticed. He's, a, he's great friends with the, the guys at Hoop7 as well, which is a nice fit. And more than anything, I'm amazed that whether it's the Phoenix or the Jack Jumpers haven't snapped him up for this season, but that's probably to our benefit because he's happy to now help, help us out. And you'll probably see two sides of Gibbo. You'll see Gibbo not currently contracted as a player, mm. But I dare say mid-season or when there's an injury, a team will snap him up. He's still looking fit. He's doing some coaching yes. on the side. I saw him doing some work with South East Melbourne. Yeah, so he's been on their bench for all of their yeah. games at the Blitz so far. I think it's only a matter of time we see, before we see him back in a jersey uh, and I'll be over the moon for him. I can't believe he's not under contract mm. right now. His leadership, his skill, his love for the game is still very much an NBL standard. And Tassie in particular, I, th- I think everyone just assumed – that as a Tassie boy, yeah. new team coming in, yeah. he'll be the inaugural captain. And before you knew it, the, the roster was full and there was no A. Gibson. Mm. So we might ask him about interest he received in the off-season, yeah. uh, where he's at now, and more importantly, what his plans are for the future because I, I don't think his playing days are done in the league. No, I don't either. And the last thing that we've got planned for this year, we'll be releasing our show separately and we'll have a Tap Touch preview as a separate show each week. And I'll be joined by Matty Knight and I'm delighted to be able to keep Maddie involved in basketball. We had a lot of great great fun last year and not only will he give us insights into each round that's upcoming, but he'll be trying to point you in the right direction and give you some some tips on potential multi-bets that <laughs> him and Sean will try to raise money for charity. It didn't work great last year, but let's hope that was just a trial run and they'll go better this year. But uh, yeah, it's great to have Maddie involved too because your history with him is unbelievable. You went to college together, you played on that MU's team together, you mm. played at 
West Sydney together, and then obviously <laughs> you, pl- you, you played over here with the Wildcats together. It's a remarkable history that you've got with him. Yeah, some players you just know what to expect from them. There's you don't even have to talk. There's no communication whatsoever. You just kind of understand each other. And Matty was one of those guys, whether it was at the offensive end, the defensive end, and probably in the most underestimated uh, or underrated, sorry, defensive player. Yep. Uh, that the league's ever seen. I, I rated him right up there with some of the best defenders in the 12, 13 years I was involved in the NBL, could move his feet, take charges. And he was one of the few centres I can remember that if you're in a, a quick and roll, you could switch with him going onto a point guard and more often than not, he stayed in front of them. So hell of a defender, hell of a player. Had a great career and, yeah, good to keep him involved with Shawnee and mm. big underline under try. Hopefully this season <laughs> actually can raise some money. So yes. <laughs> just let's see what they come up with and hopefully we get some wins. Now, all this wouldn't be possible without Tab Touch for bringing us that preview, but also Hoop7. To me, it's the best basketball store in all of Australia. You head to, to, to Murray Street in the Perth City to check it out in person. If you can't get there, head to hoop7.com.au and they'll, they'll take care of you. So thank you to Jason and his team for supporting us once again. Um, you're, the two, you're two little ones, Damo. Mm-hmm. Have you started decking them out in basketball gear yet? Yeah, Maggie, we do our daily training. So we've got a little basketball. She hasn't got the basketball shoes just yet, but once it starts, it doesn't stop. So I'm kind of delaying the start <laughs> of it because she's one of those people that loves her shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, right now, it's more wearing mum's you know, size 10s or whatever Brit is, high heels. But she loves her basketball, so it's only a matter of time before we're down at Hoop 7. The two pairs of shoes I currently wear, I bought from Hoop 7. So it's a great shop down there. Uh, they're happy to help out and... Uh, if you're listening, how about a discount next time, fellas? Uh, let's see what's going on. I'll keep plugging you if I can uh, come I can in for tell a discount. You what, I can guarantee you Sean gets one. So, oh, if, so if Sean that cuts to the core. If Sean gets one, surely Damo gets, a, well, gets at least a 1% bigger, on, bigger on discount. On the theme of everything, can you just give me his <laughs> discount? Let's see if I can cut him out of that. Oh, there's no way Sean would ever pay full price for anything, <laughs> as, we, as we all know. Now, I promise we'll get to some basketball talk because the NBL season mm. is getting close, but... Why don't you fill fill it everyone in demo on what what are, what you're up to right now and how many projects you have going <laughs> all, all at once right now? No, I once got told that if you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room, <laughs> uh, and I love that because with the Wildcats being how small Perth is, the network within it, I met a lot of CEOs, GMs, people that I admired with what they've achieved in their own business or academia or sport, music, so on and so forth, and so I've just started meeting with more and more of these people over time and. To be honest, 90% of it goes over my head, what they do and how they see the world. The 10% I understand, I really appreciate and it motivates me. So I have got involved in a a few random things. My bread and butter is real estate. So I'm a part owner of a real estate company here in Perth. But outside of that, I'm involved with the gold mine up in Kalgoorlie, a sports drink company called Everlast. So my corny mug is on the side of all these bottles which well, makes not the not the most recent ones though no the vitamin waters yeah. uh, the sports drinks are coming out so that the isotonic ones uh they're on that but thank goodness they've decided <laughs> to go with a more modern logo opposed to a guy who's now got gray hair and uh, retired i got very excited i sent you a picture when i was at a grand final party and the the drinks or water that they were handing out was all Everlast drinks with Damien Martin's face on it. I got that was that was just about the highlight of my day. I'm sorry to hear that. You need to have better days. But uh, yeah, involved in those things, and then a foundation called Global Roaming Pilbara Foundation. So they're the main things, and obviously proud husband and father to two little ones who keep you on the toes. Yeah, you're you're a busy man. Um, I'm proud to be doing this show with you. We've known each other for a long time now. I'm back going back to 2009. We first met when you first got to Perth, and. We had some interesting times together when I was working at the club yeah. and I would see you every day and you'd have to say yes to the things I'd ask you to do. But we, <laughs> it's been an honour to stay in touch with you ever since. And, yeah, I'm proud to be doing this show with you. So thanks for being on board with me, first of all, and putting the, the faith in me. Um, now, we'll take a break in a second and come back with some basketball talk. But the biggest news of the off-season was the Boomers winning bronze at, at Tokyo. Um, as a former Olympian yourself, and you went through the heartache of just missing out mm. on, on bronze... What was the emotion like for you when you, when you saw it happen? It was incredible. It's, it's built up now since the boys in the NBA went away, All-Star Weekend, you know, normally with 82 regular season games. When you get that mid-season break, you just go on holidays unless you're involved in the, the weekend itself. And I think there's about four or five Australians that got together in California and they decided the message that they're going to send out of that little get-together was next year at the Rio Olympics, it's gold. It's gold or bus type of thing. 
And it took a while, but then more and more people started to buy into it. The attitude became contagious. The work ethic was incredible. Being a part of the program, you just absolutely loved it. So to come so close in Rio, fast forward another four years, the amount of pressure guys like Joe Ingalls and Paddy Mills put on themselves, Matthew Delavadova, Aaron mm. Baines, to be able to live up to it was amazing. The performances those boys put on, you know, Paddy in particular, is just something for me. I know I'm biased, but I think it's the greatest bronze medal Australia's ever won <laughs> at an Olympic campaign, regardless of what sport or individual um, track or field or may have been. So to be able to see the, the Boomers boys up there, as they're calling it, the rose gold <laughs> around their neck, yeah, I, for me, I'm biased, like I said, but it's one of the greatest sporting moments I've been uh, a part of as a spectator and just over the moon for all of those guys involved, but in particular that older core group that's been through the highs and lows and in particular that taste of bitterness uh, that would have sat with them for the last five years, obviously with the Olympics yep. getting delayed from Rio and that fourth medal where Aaron Baines got called for the worst two fouls ever in the last minute to send Pau Gasol to the free throw line to keep Spain close and then obviously came down to a couple of free throws on the buzzer. Um, with a foul on Paddy, so over the moon for him. Honestly, it was an incredible moment, grinning from ear to ear, hearing Andrew Gaze talk mm. about it and tear up. You know, that was almost as good as the moment itself, but that photo, which will be an iconic photo for the rest of uh, Basketball Australia's lifespan, is Paddy and Joe embracing. Yeah. And then obviously it's special to have Gorge a part of it because yeah. he brought those two players into their first ever Olympic campaign going back, you know, four Olympics ago. Yeah. So just a lot of great stories out of it. And, and whenever I get to hear one of the players or coaches talk about it, you can't help but just feel over the moon for each one involved. Fantastic. Okay, let's take a deep breath. When we come back, we'll take a look at how all the NBL teams are shaping up for this season. We'll get your, your predictions and then we'll wrap up this first episode, Damo. Beautiful. Okay, back here on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle. That was a big first segment, Damon. We covered a lot. Let's take. Uh, let's take a. Hope you're still tuned in, guys. <laughs> what are you made of the blitz so far? Obviously, we've had one group of teams playing over in Tasmania, the other group playing well so far in Melbourne, and then they'll be hopefully still playing at least one game in Wollongong. The first game that was meant to be there oh. this week between the Breakers and the Hawks has had to be cancelled thanks to the members of the of the Breakers touring party getting COVID. Um, but, I mean, from the games you've been able to see so far, has anything sort of jumped out? Oh, one, it's exciting that basketball is back in front of us for an NBL season. Two, it's a reminder that COVID is a huge part yeah. of the NBL and, and everyday life. And, you know, as you just said, that game in Wollongong cancelled due to a COVID, yeah. not outbreak, but a, a positive testing. And still seeing, being forced to play in front of no crowd in Melbourne too. No which crowd. Tough because when there's a crowd there, the full houses in Tasmania has been fantastic. I was going to say, you get the extremes. You do yeah. get to see whenever the Jack Jumpers are playing, it's brilliant, the yeah. support they're getting already. I think it's going to be a yeah. huge season for them and just build the sport across the state. And then, yeah, you tune into the games in Melbourne and it's a little bit more sombre, unfortunately. <laughs> but right now, there's a few players, a few imports. This is the time of year where you get to see what the imports are like. Mm. Trying to predict our top four, which we'll get to mm. shortly, uh, has been tough. I think I've changed it about six or seven times so it's far. Tough. It's tougher for imports than ever because some of them still mm. haven't even arrived in the country yet. Yeah, and or, even, or are still in quarantine right now. And you've got players getting judged by performance opposed to the reality that they spent two weeks in quarantine. Yeah. Now, I don't know how individually motivated these guys are or how disciplined they are or how their body responds sure. to you know windows not being allowed to open <laughs> only being able to pace up and down a you know the yep. size of a yep. hotel room so it's a tough one for imports right now it's more so about style of play bit of chemistry and come the regular season you know, all those imports will be good and we'll see the, the best of them mm. over the next you know first four or five rounds of the season let's take a quick Get your, get your quick thoughts on each team. Mm -hmm. Let's start, we'll do an alphabetical order. Uh, Adelaide 36ers. Interesting, they've only brought back DJ, Isaac Humphries and Sunday Detch, so they've had a huge turnover. The, what, what ended up happening to Connor Henry was, was quite un unbelievable, but I think the end result to have CJ Bruton as a head coach has turned out well, but I don't think anyone would have liked the way that it, the way that it, that it happened. But... I'm, I'm really buoyant on their, their list. If Mitch McCarron was an unbelievable leader for Melbourne last year in their championship. I really like what we've seen of Dusty Hannes so far. We haven't seen a lot of Todd, Todd Withers, but Tad Dufelmeyer, mm. I, I think he'll be a, an important player. I think Mojave King will be better than he was last last season. Kay Soto, even if it's just the eyeballs that he brings to, <laughs> to the coverage, is going to be fantastic. I think Cam Bairstow's got a bit to prove. I, I think... 
I think there's a lot to be excited about for, for Adelaide. Yeah, well, for CJ, it was getting to the point where it was almost always a bridesmaid, never yep. the bride. And I, I spoke to him once he got the Adelaide job, and he was, he said it as diplomatically as he could, but he was, he was firstly really hurt mm-hmm. from Brisbane because obviously Andre had been grooming him to take that job, and yep. then the club decided to go in a different direction. And then he, he also went and interviewed for the Cairns job, but yep. he said he felt as soon as he got there that they had already made the decision that he wasn't going to be the coach, so he was wasting his time. So he was. He was actually pretty disheartened when there was no job available. Then all of a sudden, um, Jeff Van Groningen gave him the call and the Adelaide job became available. And I think it's a good end result, but I, I do feel for Connor. Yeah, no, I, oh, how I was handled with Connor, I just was blown away to make him sit in quarantine for two weeks, yeah. take one photo with players <laughs> on the court the next day. Have one workout with Mojave King. One workout. See you later. Yeah. Uh, look, I agree. I think it's a great pickup with CJ, albeit under unfortunate circumstances for Connor. But you're right, I can't remember in recent history where a team has only kept three players. Yeah. Like, that is just blowing my mind. Now, those three players are very, very good players. I mean, Isaac Humphries was on track, according to Sean Reddish, to be an MVP of the league last year. Uh, and also a defensive player at the start of well, the season. And Sunday won your best defensive Sunday did win defensive player. Yep. Uh, so between Sunday, Mitch Norton, you know, they were two of the standouts. And Daniel Johnson is the most consistent Adelaide 36 that they've had in a long time. Yeah. An all-time great for the club. And Six can, times he's been their club MVP. Yeah, just knows how to put the ball yeah, through the basket. Yep. He is incredible. It's funny that you you go through some of the best players over the last decade. His name deserves to be in there. Yeah, for whatever reason, he's, he's barely represented Australia. Yeah. So there might be more to that because he could have been in that Boomers jersey a, a long a long time. Yeah. Uh, but those ins that you read off. Now, obviously, the big outs, you know, Josh Giddy, there's no bigger than that. Mm. Uh, so with the exception of Josh Giddy going out, uh, you know, you look at who they brought in with Mitch McCarron in particular. With Mitch, were you surprised that he firstly decided to leave Melbourne off a championship and chose Adelaide, who have been, well, they haven't been a great club for a long time? No, but he's going to be one of the, like, he's, it's going to be his show. He's sure. going to run the point. Yep. Uh, obviously, money talks. Yeah, <laughs> I dare say yeah. Adelaide, with only retaining three players, had a little bit to spend. Sure. Uh, Mitch, you pay, you know, import wages because yeah. he's as good as any other player in the league. And I think that between he and Sunday, they play both ends. Yeah. They play either side of the basketball, and that's going to be a fantastic backcourt. I think the combination of him and Dusty Hannes is the one I'm really. But Dusty's about. the one that surprised yeah. me. I was going to say, I, you don't, know, I don't know if they'll turn the ball over. They are both. <laughs> they're both such great ball handlers and so composed with the ball. Yeah, and it takes pressure off the other. Yeah. You know, when you've got three guys who can legitimately bring it over safely, regardless of what time of the game it is. It just means, okay, we can focus on what offences we're going to run opposed to can we just get over the backcourt. And some teams take a shortcut and they go straight to scoring power opposed to, hey, let's make sure we've legitimately got 19 seconds to run an offence and these guys will have no problems getting to sets because of their basketball IQ and their skill. And then when they get into sets, you know, they run seven or eight deep. You know, you already talk about Duffelmeyer. He's mm. he's surprised me. He's been great. Mojave King, I think, is going to be out for a big season. I know he was upset or more accounts it sounded like there was a bit of frustration with playing minutes and mm. so on and so forth last season but they're all going to get an opportunity and cj bruton's style of play so far has been fun to watch yeah. everyone's going to get a bit of court time and cam though he was an olympian five years ago yeah. you know he he's still a solid back to the basket type of player yeah. and with guys like mitch uh, and sunday coming off pick and rolls he can still pick and pop or pick and roll so yeah don't sleep on though. he's a hell of mm. a player yeah, we'll see how highly you rate Adelaide once we get to our predictions shortly. Brisbane Bullets, they've also got a new got a new, got a new coach, um, James Duncan replacing Andre Lamanas, but they brought back a lot of that group from last year. I'm I'm most excited about seeing a fully fit Lamar Patterson this season. But Robert Franks, what we've seen so far, looks looks handy. Tom Gib- Tom Dicko <laughs> has looked really exciting. Very. Good. We haven't seen Isaiah Moss just yet. There are other other import. Um, on paper, they look probably stronger than last season and they they were almost in the mix for finals last year. They weren't too far away. Yeah, I think they'll be thereabouts again. I'm excited to see what year two for Wigness brings. Yep. They, they seem to be giving a bit of minutes there at the point guard position. Obviously, Nathan Sobey's going to have the ball in his hands for predominantly the majority of the game. But like you already mentioned, Lamar Patterson, you know, Jace Kadee already came out and said as a teammate that Lamar almost let himself down yep. by maybe playing not in his best shape. Uh, he stuck around in Australia, played in the NBL one. And he's back to that all-star five, you know, it seems at the moment already. You combine that with guys like Jace Kadee, a great role player, Anthony Drimmick, who can drop 20 on you if you're not focused, uh, and then Sobe, who again will be an all-NBL player. 
Tanner Krebs can just yep. sh- flat out shoot the ball. So it's not like you can go and double these guys because you know, you've got a lot of shooters uh, that are going to be spotted up on the three-point line. So, <laughs> and, and he's playing to get the direct jumpers to pay him a big contract for next year too. Is there? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So no, I, I like who they've, they've brought in, who they retained initially, and I love that they backed Lamar to come back bigger and better and well, probably not, but to come back an even better <laughs> player yeah. an even better player yeah, because yeah. he is a hell of a talent and he's just so hard to guard because he's super strong so you close out hard and once you're on his hip he just holds you on his hip and he can get all the way to the ring close out short boom he can let it fly and knock down a three so i think he's going to have a, a massive season uh, in the bullets jersey which just takes a lot of pressure off Sobi. Mm. Sobi doesn't have to drop 20 plus a game anymore because they've got a lot of firepower around them that i think are going to play better the big outs you know, obviously they didn't bring back BJ Johnson, that's okay. Harry Froling and Matt Hodgson, though, that's um, some solid big man who set those screens for those players, who get the extra yep. possessions, kick it out to them. You know, we'll see how they go. A lot of pressure now on Harrison to be their, their main big man. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to have to play huge minutes. Yep. Uh, he looks like he's capable of doing it. I love the trust they've they've instilled in him already. Uh, and he seems to be responding with some quality minutes in the preseason. Cairns Taipans. Um I don't have to quite be as diplomatic as we might have on my show with Alex Loughton. I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned about the Taipans for this season. Now, they'll be well coached because I think we both agree that 40 is a, a great basketball mind, but I'm just not convinced they have the talent that I see on the other nine nine clubs. Um, Steve Zimmerman's looked okay in, pre- in pre-season so far at the Blitz as a, as a big man, kind of one-dimensional, but he looks like someone that could average a double-double. I don't know if Taji McCall is going to be the dominant type of import that they perhaps needed. A lot of pressure on on Scott Machado and probably Nate Jawai to be dominant for them to be competitive. Well, you can already see the style of play with obviously a coaching change. Nate is a focal point again. Now, I'm biased, teammates with Nate, friends with Nate, but I think he's still a powerhouse Absolutely. big in this league. Yeah. Now, he, and, and there's still no one that can stop him. No, no one. I mean, he was going against the Wildcats and... Uh, it was a Wildcats, yeah, Hodgson. Hodgson, Hodgson, yeah. No, Hodgson's a big boy, 6'10", 6'11", big wingspan. But Nate, when he gets over that right shoulder, or go either side actually, he's just a big boy that can uh, cause some damage down there. They just didn't seem to utilise him in Cairns yeah, over the previous season. No, they didn't. Last year when he played, he had moments where he was unstoppable, but he just wasn't playing more than 15 minutes a game. Yeah, so I think instead of having that pick and roll where you got Cam Oliver rolling to the basket where Nate would have been, so they did put him yep. on the bench, uh, instead, you're going to see Nate on the block. Ford is going to insist that they roll the ball into him. You can already see Scotty. There was an example during the preseason. Scott Machado kicks it to the wing. The wing player, I can't think of who it was, looked off Nate, and then Scott got the ball back and lobbed it into yep. Nate, and then ripped the teammate, saying, yep. "If he's ever got, yep. you know, a one-on-one situation down on the block, and mm. you can pass it to him, you give it to him." So I think Nate's going to be great. The big two for me is all dependent with how they go this year. Is the performances of Noy and Deng. Yep. I don't think Great we point. saw the best of them last season. They were injury-plagued. Injury, yeah. They can flat-out play. Yep. I think they're very, very good players. I think between them, we've probably got the most improved player of the season coming up. Uh, but, you know, they, they're a hell of a talent. And you get Scotty at the point, Nate on the block, and some of those guys offering some firepower. I, I fear for their depth. Mm. But if you've got five or six guys performing on a consistent basis, they will get some wins this year. There's no doubt about that. Now, I've got a soft spot for them for obvious reasons. So I do hope they go... They go well. Um, the Illawarra Hawks, um, they had a great season last year. They they weren't too far away from getting to the grand final. And final. And to me, I think they've improved on, on paper. I know Justin Simon was was a great defender, but mm. I think what we've seen so far from Rath and Mays and Cleveland, they'll be better offensively. Um, Tyler Harvey might even be better second season around. Same for Justinian Jessup. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot to, lot to like about... Their potential. No, I agree. I think these guys are going to be one of the powerhouses this season. You'll hear that a little bit more when we're doing our predictions. Look, I think Jessup's the one that's really going to benefit from a year yep. two coming out of college. You know, you got to you saw parts and glimpses of mm-hmm. what he's capable of. I think that's going to be more consistent this season. Tyler Harvest, one of the best players in the league, one of my favourite players to watch. The big in for them this season is Reith. You know, yep. Duop coming in, pick and pop for threes, roll to the basket. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of the premium big men in the league. And for a team that already made semi-final basketball last year, to come back in what I believe is better. I loved watching some of the players they have released, but I think they've gone out and actually recruited even better. In particular, uh, bringing in Harry Froling, who under Mm. Gorge, I believe, will... uh, 
kind of the kick up the butt he might have needed. Yep. He's got his brother on the team, a new coach, a fresh start. He's going to have a little bit more opportunity out there and do up as well. Just those two guys in particular, I think, were huge ins for them. Absolutely. Melbourne United, the defending champions. Now they've they got some huge outs. Mitch McCarron and Jock Landale speak for themselves, but Uday Bubba was very handy. Mm-hmm. Sam McDaniel started on their championship winning team, yeah. and, and Scotty Hobson was, was obviously important as an import. Um, the ins are going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see what Matty Delavadova can do in the NBL. I mm-hmm. think, based on what we've seen in the Blitz, he he looks hungry. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can judge him on the points he scores, but the impact he has um, could be pretty significant. So I still think he might be handy. Brad Newley looks like he's got plenty left in the tank. Um, we've only seen Ariel Huckporty once, but he, he almost brought the backboard down with the dunk that he, he threw <laughs> down. Um, I think Joe Luala Chul is going to benefit from more more minutes. Um, what do you think of the reigning champs? No, I think it's Jack White. Like, I know he's yep. returning, but he was having a fantastic yep. rookie season. And then obviously he gets injured. We don't see him for the rest of the season. I think even though they're the reigning champs, and they've, they've lost some big names, you know, as you mentioned, McCarron, Landau, Hobson, Baba, McDaniel, Anderson. And with Udai and Sam McDaniel, they're the players they could throw on the opposition's yep. best player. Yep. So that will be sorely missed. Yep. Uh, but they brought in Matthew Delavid Dover, who is an incredible defender, sure. one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet, but does have the highest basketball of basketball like you've probably anyone I've ever played alongside. Mm-hmm. So don't he's going to be great on the court. But what he's going to do is he's going to make someone like JLA his life so much easier mm-hmm. on the court because he'll be able to dictate where you should be at what time yep. and I'll get you the ball. Jack White, another high basketball IQ mm-hmm. type of player, you know, former captain of Duke University. Yeah. He's going to love playing alongside Della Vadova. Delhi will demand the utmost of professionalism and an elite approach to a day-to-day basis. And his approach to the game itself is going to be contagious. So that culture of the club, they already won a championship. Mm-hmm. You've got guys returning like Chris Goulding, who's still going to be incredible. Shay Illy, who can still pick up full yep. court and cause headaches. But that culture of the club is going to go from great to even better yeah. uh, with Della Vadova simply being there on a day-to-day basis and, and his energy, his professionalism, his basketball IQ being contagious. So, yeah, I, I think Melbourne are going to be there. Again, huge outs. But one massive in in Della Vadova, and then someone, Brad Newley. I mean, mm. he looks fitter than yeah. I've seen him in, in a number of years. So he looks great. He knows how to score. He knows how to win. Yep. And whatever opportunity gets given, playing behind guys like Chris Goulding, uh, he's going to make the most of. But JLA, massive season. Mm. Jack White, even bigger. What an off season for the New Zealand Breakers. We hope things might calm down for them a little bit once they got to, <laughs> to head back home. But the Webster brothers both asked for their. Oof. For their release, which I think threw, threw the, the a, a big spanner in the works. So, yeah. I mean, I think they've ended up with a pretty talented roster. Jeremiah Martin, especially, looks looks like he can really score. Great pickup. Their two Frenchmen, Osmane Ding and Hugo Besson, have looked good so far at the Blitz. Yanni Wetzel will be a, a, a really good pickup as well. But unfortunately for them, they're going to fight a, a lot of adversity, and it's all about keeping their head above water if they can before they get to, to go home. Yeah, I think that's the big thing to have spent pretty much all of last season on the road essentially. Now you've got to back it up and you're going to miss just being there for little things, sleeping yeah. in your own bed, being able to cook your own meals. It just adds up over time. And now they've already got a COVID scare. Yeah, I got a COVID scare. So look, Ty and Corey, you know, Corey got to play a lot, a lot of basketball against mm. incredible player, incredible scorer and was the heart of, well, a big part of you know, New Zealand for such a long time. Abercrombie injured. Now, he's yeah. the heart of the club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so him being out really hurts. There's probably better balance now, I think, on the team. I think McDowell White will be able to run it. Uh, Jeremiah, I love what we've seen so yeah. far of him. But there's probably a better balance insofar as it's almost like they're saying, Finn, this is your team now. Yeah. You as our local player, combine that with our imports. Uh, we'll build around that mm-hmm. whereas last year because they had so much scoring power on, yeah. on paper there probably was a bit too much standing and watching uh, and I don't know if there's great chemistry the Webster yeah. brothers did their own thing when they're out there Patterson never never fit in then they try to make changes along the way mm-hmm. so um, I think it's yeah better balance this yeah. year but nothing can take away from the fact that they're playing probably a whole season on the road <laughs> and that uh, that builds up over time but Credit to them because they put a good good roster on paper, albeit missing uh, the two Webster boys. They certainly would have planned being out yep. there, and they are great talents. The Perth Wildcats. Um, 
I think on paper their roster looks stronger this year. I think they mm. overachieved last season in a lot of ways and got the absolute best out of out of themselves. And and who knows if Bryce was fit for the finals, they might have won mm. won a won a championship. But they they've been able to add Vic Law, who was an MVP level play in the first half of last season mm-hmm. before he got hurt at Brisbane. And we haven't seen the best of Michael Fraser yet at the Blitz, but his potential alongside Bryce, I think, is is really exciting. What they could do together, Matty Hodgson. Matty Hodgson and Mujuk Mujuk will be very, very nice as a as a combination in the five spot. Um, but really, a fully fit Bryce Cotton automatically makes them a contender, I think. Yeah, I think this is one of the best teams the Wildcats have put together in a long time, mm. not just compared to last season, but in a long time. Look, Luke Travers is going to continue to emerge. The biggest thing for them is Mitch Norton's out injured mm. for a while. You know, Todd Blanchfield is out injured for a while. They literally met their head coach for the first time in person, you know, 10 days ago. Yep. So I think we saw that lack of, not necessarily chemistry, but there was too much thinking out there yep. in the first two preseason games because a lot of those guys have come from a system where you know you're going to sprint to the 45, you're going to cut off a flex cut, there's going to be pin downs, there's going to be staggers. So you know that if you don't score in the first four to six seconds, you're probably not scoring for another 10 seconds. Mm-hmm because that offense will dictate the movement of the ball. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's going to be more free-flowing, it's going to be better spaced, a lot more on-balls, a lot more backing players to make one-on-one plays and keep the spacing. So if you get by your player, you know, you hopefully get in the head on the ring or, or a lob to a Majuk Majuk or Hodgson. So it's going to be exciting to watch provided the ball continues to move. Yeah. Otherwise, defenses are going to load up. Offensive scoring power, that's as good as it gets. They are... Yeah. Yeah, they run deep, and once they get a fully fit Todd Blanchfield mm. and Mitch Norton back, Norto would just pick you apart. If it's isolation basketball, he'll get on the ring. Toddy Blanchfield. Todd's the one I have a question mark over because he was incredible last season, yeah. one of the best players in the league, and when Bryce went out injured, his game went to another level yeah. again. But a lot of that did come off pin downs, staggers, mm. flex cuts. So he could curl cut if you trailed him. He'd stop and pop if you went under the screen, and he, he delivered, whereas now... You haven't seen a whole lot under Scott Morrison's system in regards to uh, specific plays for players. But I think Todd uh, will be best suited if they continue to run those staggers, mm. continue to run those pin downs and back him to make good reads accordingly. So I'm excited with what they've put together on paper. Not being able to have a full team <laughs> or with a coach yeah. for the whole of preseason or the whole of the offseason uh, probably mean they're going to be delayed. And when you're delayed in getting to full strength, that can cost you three or four games. Mm. And the reality is the Wildcats, that would mean three or four home games. Yeah. And after that first five initial games they play at home to begin the season, who knows with COVID whether yeah. they ever get to come back. So yeah. uh, it'll be an interesting year for them, but fully fit under normal circumstances. That's my championship team right there. Mm. South East Melbourne Phoenix, they were, they, at a halftime in game three of the semifinals last year, they were on track for a grand oh, final yeah. appearance. So they're, they're not, they weren't far away. And I... But they've got some huge outs. Mm-hmm. Um, Yanni Wetzel was a great five-man for them last year. Um, Kiefer Sykes, at times, was capable of being the best player in the league yep. with what he did last year at both ends of the Good floor. Defender, yeah. Ben Moore was handy as well. So they're, they're significant outs. So a lot's going to depend on how good their imports are, Xavier Munford and Devin Thomas. Um, the big the big Chinese fellow, though, Joe Chi, he's he's looking pretty exciting too. And I, <laughs> I love the story that, that Dane Pino told me the first day that Dane got out there and on training, he tried to make a move down the block and on, on Joe Chi and he, he got it blocked with, with his elbow. <laughs> that, that, and and he, Dane's almost a seven-footer. So <laughs> so we're going to see some exciting plays. Obviously, Glidden back is handy. Admin, the new captain. Uh, Mitch Creek. Ryan Brokoff looks like he's ready to have a much bigger impact. Um, what do you think of them? Yeah, I think you're going to see a better Southeast Melbourne team. Uh, and as you mentioned, they were close to being grand finalists last year. I think Brokoff is the huge one. And I think Mitch Creek is still an all-NBL player. Yeah. So I think you're going to see a better season from him. Obviously, he had a disrupted season last year. Fully fit on the court for every single game. You know, Mitch Creek's going to be have a better year overall. Cam Glidden was hampered by injuries. injuries. You know, you see him spotted up. I love that Kyle Adnam, the, the amount of faith they've instilled yeah. in him by voting him as captain. He'll run the show out there and be another scoring punch. Yeah, but it all comes down to Brokoff. I still rate him as a boomers type of quality player, one of the flat out shooters in the yep. league. And with being six foot seven, that high technique where he starts the ball, you just don't block him, to yep. be honest. So I think Brokoff is the one that's going to go from you know X to Z, yep. uh, and he's going to turn some eyes and just cause some headaches for teams because if you focus too much on some of those before mentioned players like Glidden, Adnam, and Creek, 
you're going to get hurt by Brokoff. And he'll drop six from six from behind the perimeter, play defense, rebound, and have zero turnovers. He's just a player that will play 35-plus minutes uh, and put together some nice numbers over the course of the season. Sydney Kings. Um, fair, they've had a fair few changes as well. Obviously, a new coach with Chase Buford coming in. No Casper Ware is probably the... The biggest one. Nowhere in the NBL. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. Um, Craig Moller, I think, was underrated what he did as well. Um, the less we say about Diddy or Lazada right now, probably the better. <laughs> um, but again, their two new imports, Jalen Adams and RJ Hunter, um, look like they'll be you know, difference makers. We hope DJ Vasilovic gets back. Last mm. time I spoke to him, he was hoping late December, so sort of within the first four rounds, he's hoping to get back on the court. So he gives them another scoring punch. Great to see Angus Glover yeah. back on the floor, but looking so healthy as well. Um, they look pretty good to me. They do. I, I love who they've brought in. I think they've recruited really well, really, really well, to be honest. Look, DJ and Angus, I'm over the moon for both of them. Hopefully DJ comes back fully fit. I mm. thought he was having an incredible rookie yep. season. And then Angus Glover, I mean, is it three now? Knees, three ACLs. Yeah. He's just a hell of a talent. Now, he was a guy that went over for the, the Nike Hoop Summit. You know, he, he was one of the best players for his age group in the world, not just in Australia, but in the world. Three ACLs later, and to see what he's doing, you know, a 20-plus point game for Sydney in the preseason already. Great lefty, still doesn't, still looks as athletic as ever, and the mental toughness and the resilience he's shown not to quit, move on to something else. That's three years of basketball yeah. he's missed out of the last four, essentially, yeah. or three and a half. So I'm over the moon that he's back on court. I think he's going to have a, a fantastic yep. season for them and I'll be his biggest supporter in the stands or at home on my couch. Every time he puts the ball through the hoop or makes a defensive stop, he's a great player, great kid, and it's just good to see him back. Now, if you try to go to interview DJ at halftime in one of the games in Perth, I think he'll be happy to see you because he was pretty outspoken a few weeks ago when I spoke to him about the disrespect that he felt from everybody <laughs> coming into last season who wasn't talking about him as a Rookie of the Year candidate, and everyone was talking about Josh Giddy and Mojave King. But he singled out you and he singled out Sean Reddick as the, <laughs> as the two people that did give him credit. You both picked him for your Rookie of the Year coming into last season, so he'd be very happy to I see I'll tell you him. what, he may have won it as he well. He, I think if he stayed healthy, he could have. So, look, what a rookie class, though. Just quickly, yep. Mojave, DJ, obviously Giddy won it. Yep. And then we've, you know, we've got... What, Melbourne, uh, yeah, Wetzel, Jack White, Jack White, yeah. Wetzel, yeah, of course. Like it's probably the best rookie season in the last ten years. So no, he is a huge part of who Sydney will be going forward once he's back out there on the court. And the fact that they were running pin downs, they're running kickbacks, they're running all types of offenses for him for a rookie. That's huge. Yeah. And just consistently that he was their go-to man. Now I also think we're going to see a better season out of Martin. Yep. I think he will be, you know, possibly the best big man in the league this yep. season. Uh, and we saw glimpses of it, but I think they're just going to utilise those two players in particular. Xavier Cooks, I think, is going to have his best season to date. He's yep. just kind of that glue guy, but I think he's going to be more of a double-double on average opposed to a couple of good games here, yep. a couple of quiet ones there. He will be Mr. Double-double. Yep, totally agree. Just finally, what are your thoughts on the roster that the Tasmania Jack Jumpers have put together and what do you make of what you've seen of them so far? Oh, look, what I've seen is an exciting new club that's creating a lot of love and passion in, in a state that hasn't had professional sport <laughs> yeah. for a long time. So, look, it, it can't be easy to put together a completely new roster. Mm. Like any team in the NBL, a lot of success comes down to the imports, especially when you're allowed to have three imports. Mm. They've got some great Australian players uh, or local players out there. Jared Weeks I thought was a great pickup. Yep. Clint Steindor, the inaugural captain of mm -hmm. the Jack Jumpers. I was over the moon to see that and he's still a guy of dropping a lot of points from behind mm -hmm. the arc. Jack McVeigh, who we didn't even mention earlier, you know, he's just an exciting player. Yep. You know, yep. he loves the game. It's contagious. He's probably one of those guys that if you call him a teammate, you just love having him <laughs> as a teammate. Yep. And so I think uh, he's going to be a fan favourite and the best is yet to come for Will Magne in the mm -hmm. league. Uh, he looks fit, he looks yeah. healthy, he sounds confident. They've got a great coaching staff mm -hmm. over there. They're exciting. It's always a lot of pressure, though. I mean, South East did it in their second season to make postseason play, I believe it was. But any new club, you know, to expect postseason basketball is a huge ask. A lot of it will come down to the imports, but they've certainly got quality Australians playing alongside them. Scott Roth is the head coach, but I want to ask you about Mark, Mark Redford. He was an assistant coach when you first came yeah. over, over here to Perth. And might have even, was he in Sydney with you, too? With no, he no. was uh, he was over here. He was already, with he was already here with with Connor and and Scott Fisher before that. But 
great to see him back in the league because he's been doing a lot of great work in Tasmania over the last, yeah, last few years. Yeah, he left the Wildcats, went to Adelaide yep. to assist Marty Clark, who's yep. one of his lifelong friends, yep. uh, another guy out of Tasmania, yep. Marty from Penguin. But behind the scenes from the NBL, he's just been yeah gung-ho about Tasmania basketball. Mm. Very passionate guy. He will get the utmost out of his players because he demands that. And so once training's done and Scott goes one, two, three, they say, Jack Jumpers, you better believe the day's not done. <laughs> he will pull aside a couple of the players, work with them for another 30 to 45 minutes. He was great for my development in my first year at the Wildcats. He was sadly missed when he did decide to go to Adelaide, but it's great to see him back in the NBL. And I think Scott will love having his passion and his fire. Uh, and then obviously they've gone out and, and recruited a great team that will be coachable and that's fantastic. I think Bevo and Mark have mended their bridges since, but <laughs> we might be able to ask Bevo on, on one of the shows this year about the circumstances behind Rat leaving the Wildcats because it was certainly interesting. Not expected from no, Bevo's end. No. <laughs> Win a championship and lose an assistant, he wasn't expecting it. Uh, unless you lose them and they get a head coaching role, but it wasn't wasn't to be. Well, he might have already been doing some of the negotiations for the next season too. While oh, then you so, might know more than I do, so, so we, he would we, definitely ask Bebo. I'll, I'll let Bebo tell that story if he wants to at some point this season. Damo, that was a lot to digest. Let's, <laughs> let's take a breath. We'll come back, get your predictions, and then we'll wrap up this, this show on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Okay, Damo, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. We'll run through this quickly because um, I hope people are still tuning in. Let's hope, <laughs> let's hope we're not just talking to ourselves by, the, by this point. Let's get your predictions. The season's only a week away. Let's start at the bottom. This might depend a lot on who you end up putting in your top four or picking as champions, but who have you got for your, your Coach of the Year? Oh, Coach of the Year. We're just going to go straight with it. I think that the Hawks... Well, no, they did well last year. Look, I, I'm going to go with Gorge this year. Obviously, Trevor won it last year. I think Melbourne are going to be up there again, and it's tough to win Coach of the Year when you're the reigning champs. Mm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Hawks. I just think they're going to be – well, we'll hear where I start. I predict they're going to finish, mm -hmm. and under the guidance of Gorge, you're going to see some great basketball, and he'll get the nod. I hate to be boring, but I, I had Gorge pen oh, penciled, <laughs> penciled in as well. Now, you might have given away your thoughts on this one a little bit earlier. Most improved player. Yeah, there's three. There is three. So, obviously, I, I better choose one of them in particular. <laughs> Look, I, I mentioned that Noi and Dang, uh, Majok Dang, you know, I, I just think one of them out of cans is going to get it. Saw glimpses of it. There was a few injuries. Mojave King's the other one. I think mm. he's going to be fantastic. You know, Will Magne, I mentioned earlier. But if I had to go one out of those four, I'm going to lock in Noi. It I, th I think he was really missed when he went down last year as well, as was as was Mujuk Deng. Um, it, it's a it's a tough one because we we don't know who who. But I, do you reckon Angus Glover counts as a candidate? Oh well, initially I thought of him. Then I thought, is there a certain amount of games you got to play yeah. the prior season? Uh, oh look, it's our show. We can lock in whoever we want. Yeah, if I, the I, NBL comes out and <laughs> says he didn't qualify, then yeah. I'll let you have a second guess. No, I might I might go with Angus just because he's such a such a great great story. Um, best defensive player. Um, I'd be amazed if you can look past Sunday Ditch. Yeah, well, I'll uh, prepare to be okay, amazed. Okay. <laughs> look, Sunday's going to be up there. Yep. It's what he does. He's the type of guy that will be one of the fittest players in the league again. He will pick up full court every possession again. Great wingspan, high basketball IQ, reads the, reads the play well. So Sunday's going to be up there. I think Jack White, though. Okay. I think okay. Jack White he's, uh, can guard one through four. I think he's going to play big minutes for Melbourne. And maybe it's just because I didn't want to go with the obvious. And the only reason I'm not saying Norto is because he's out injured to start the yep, season. Yep. Uh, so Mitch Norton, Sunday Detch, Jack White are my top three going mm -hmm. forward. But I'll, I'll give the nod to White uh, just because I liked what I saw pre-injury yep. last season. Sure. I'm going to stick with, with Sunday. Um, we talked about the Rookie of the Year class from last year and how strong it was. I don't know if there's too many rookies right now. So rather than pick our Rookie of the Year, what if we go with who we think will be the best next star? Oh, we'll rattle off a few so our, our listeners okay. know who we're talking okay, about. Okay, so Mojave King still qualifies. Yep. Justinian Jessup still qualifies. Um, let me see. Ariel Happorti is another one at Melbourne. Um, 
It is a smaller group, isn't it? Is Osman Look, potentially one? Um, look, I think Jessup, you know, without even having to read out everyone else, I, I do think it is Jessup. I just think that Illawarra are going to run more sets for him. He's going to have the ball in his hands a little bit more. And the amount of attention that Harvey's going to get in year two and Duop's going to open him up with some on-ball screens, uh, yeah, I just think we're going to see a big season from yeah. Jessup and give him the nod. It's t- tough to argue, but based on what I've seen so far, um, Hark Porty will be up there. But I yeah. I think potentially just be if we're talking best next star, so it's not technically the rookie of the year then, and I think Mahave King potentially as well, if he's given an, enough minutes, which I believe might be written into his contract when he went to Adelaide <laughs> to make sure he does get, it, get, get enough minutes. I need to get a hold of that contract. <laughs> uh, that would be fun to see. Um, now, before we get to the MVP, who do you think will be the leading scorer? Well, I mean, in years gone by, it's been Bryce. But you look at the roster they've put together this season mm. and they're not as dependent on Bryce to yep. drop 20-plus yep. a game for them to be successful. So he'll be right up there just because he's – the greatest player in the league mm-hmm. um, and the best player we've seen in a long time. But I think this year, in particular with Vic Law there, there's just going to be less he has to do. Mm. So for the first time in a while, I don't know if he will be the leading scorer of the league. Look, I think Harvey will, even yep. though I mentioned Jessup before. I think Harvey is still going to be relied on to go for 20-plus and they're going to run just so much for him. So he's mm. going to have that green light. You know, guys like Chris Goulding, they have to score usually off their own bat. Yeah. Off a pin down, they don't always have the ball in their hand. So there's a lot of great scorers in the league, but when you're a point guard scorer, mm. uh, you can kind of decide <laughs> to an extent how often you're going to get shots up. And I think we're going to see Harvey, you know, put himself in scoring positions. I was going to say Harvey, but I'm going to go with Joe Luala-Chul just because we saw him put up 37 in his first game with the Blitz and he's going to have a green light to mm-hmm. shoot whenever he wants and... He's going to be a starter. He's going to be playing the Jock Landale role from last year. And provided he's not double teamed like Jock was, then I think he's going to be getting 20 shots a game. And yeah. he's, a, he's a pretty good shooter. I think you're going to see him in a first, second, or third, third team All NBL. Yep. We've yep. kind of you know, not mentioned him as much as we should have probably during the show because of how good mm. the, the Melbourne United team are already. But you're right, he's just a flat out scorer. The second he's got the ball, you know, there's a good chance it's coming up. Uh, and there's an even better chance it's going in. So, yeah, he, he just knows how to score, score quickly and score in a, a number of ways. And with his height, his shooting ability, yeah, he's a tough matchup yep. for anybody in the league. I know that last year he got dragged a few times because he didn't play the other end yep. where he made a few mistakes. It'll be interesting to see whether his lead is that short again mm. or whether he's, he's given a little bit more rain and he can go out there and just flat out play. The only problem is this year that... Dan Vickerman doesn't have Jock Landale to go back to. So maybe he does have a bit more bit more of a leash. Exactly right. And, and as I mentioned earlier, Jack White, you know, Jack will take on mm. the defensive assignment. Yep. So JLA, who can uh, focus on putting <laughs> the ball through the basket. Okay, your, your MVP. Ooh, it's going to be a tough one. Because of how it's voted, I still think you're going to see Bryce get MVP, yep. even if it's not the leading scorer of the league. And that's because it's voted for, voted for by captains, yep. uh, a few in the media and they can understand the overall impact of the player. When it's game-by-game basis, Mm. sometimes you just get sick of choosing the same person. Or sometimes someone who normally averages 12 goes for 18, so you give them the the, the three votes. And the problem with that voting is you can be a standout on a poor team and Mm. end up being the MVP. Exactly right. And I can't remember who I heard this from, but years ago someone said an MVP should never come from a player outside of the top four. And to an extent, I I do believe that. It's always been Sean's philosophy. Oh, is that right? Oh, please don't tell me I've quoted (laughs) Redditch. But no, I do. I I agree with Sean on that, and that's why I prefer this style of voting opposed to how it's been in years gone by. and I think Bryce is going to be the best player still in the league. Uh, and it's amazing to think I say that. He's still probably got his best basketball ahead yeah, of him he um, because he's in that bracket of age group yeah. uh, that you play your premium basketball and now he's surrounded by more scorers, which means he can pick and choose when he wants to yeah. go off the dribble or pull up. It's hard to go past Bryce. The only other one I'll chuck in there is Lamar Patterson. Yeah. If, he, if, he's as, if he's as motivated and healthy as he says he is and he looks like he is then... He's the only one that I think could, could really challenge him. Um, who are your top four teams? Top four, and like I said at the start <laughs> of the show, I reckon I've changed it six or seven yep. times. So I'm going to go with Perth. Mm-hmm. I know I'm biased, but yeah, I just but think the I, roster they put together. But, but I'm the same. I, I can never pick a top four without the Wildcats until I actually live to see them <laughs> yeah. not, not make a playoffs. Exactly. I've got Illawarra in second, and then I close out with Melbourne, 
And even though I think Southeast are better this year than they were last, I also think Sydney are better this year than mm. last year. And I think Sydney might just squeeze Southeast out of the top four. Uh, we've spoken about the other teams. It's just a great league. You yeah. throw a blanket over them, one through ten, yeah. but that's my top four. And uh, I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with it, but we'll soon find out. It's tough. And it, I mean, six have to miss out. That's just the, the way it is. But I think, I think Sydney, I think Adelaide. Yeah. Um, I think Perth, just like I said, until they miss it, I'm never going to believe that they can miss it. And I think Illawarra mm. will, will, will be the fourth. Um, out of that four, which two make the grand final? Yeah, I'm going with Illawarra-Perth. I think it's going to be a, a replay of last season's semi-final, mm -hmm. but at the different level. I just think by the postseason, going into postseason, if both rosters are fully healthy, you know, that it's going to be hard to beat Melbourne. Great team, Southeast great team, Sydney great teams, but I just think those two just have that little bit of X factor. Uh, Perth bitter that they lost last season, come back healthy. Illawarra probably let themselves down in the semi-finals. Uh, they probably should have beat that Perth team with all those injuries, mm. but they're coming back a better roster, second year of coaching under Gorge, and probably even more exciting. Yeah, just to mix it up, I'll go Sydney and Adelaide as my <laughs> as top two, and I, I would, um, I would think the Kings might. Keep them in a five-game series, but it's a long way away, Damo. Just like this has been a long episode of of, of Hoop Seven. <laughs> I won't Basketball ramble as Hustle. much next time. <laughs> There's a lot to cover, so I hope you all enjoyed us breaking breaking down how the NBL teams are looking. Because all of a sudden, when we're back next week, round one is only days away, and we're going to catch up with the scoring machine and give him a, a right of reply to to some of the things we've said on the show this week. So we'll hear from Sean Redditch next week. Um, thanks to Hoop Seven for making this possible. Stay tuned for. The Tab Touch preview next week as well when I catch up with Maddie Knight. But for now, this first episode of season three, I'm Chris Pike and I'll sign off and leave you with some wise words from Damien Martin to, to sign off with. Oh, he's put me under the spot here. <laughs> Trust me, they won't be wise. No, it's just exciting to be a part of the show for the upcoming season. I love the game. I love being a part of the NBL. I'll be courtside doing some commentary, so feel free to throw in some advice or things you want me to ask players and coaches when I've got them courtside at halftime, and I'll try and adhere to uh, what our listeners want. <laughs>